Hey there, happy Wednesday to you. It's an acoustic Wednesday here on the EP podcast. Thanks for clicking on and tuning in. I am Austin Horton, and uh, I'm ready to get going. we got some really cool stuff to talk about today, some important news, and some fun news. Uh, and of course, uh, a submission for we, uh, <laughs> rather Acoustic Wednesday. Uh, and I've got one of my favorite, not just acoustic bands, but favorite bands of all time to share with you uh, today as well. Uh, it is June 10th, 2020, and that's where we're going to start, as we do each and every day, this day in sports history. June 10th uh, has uh, some important things that have happened in the past, or at least not maybe not important, but uh, things that stand out for sure in the mind. June 10th, 1944. Now, I had heard of this before, but I didn't know all the exact details. But June 10th, 1944, Joe Nuxhall pitched two-thirds of an inning for the Cincinnati Reds during an 18-0 blowout by the St. Louis Cardinals at Crossley Field. Now, why is that news? Because Joe Nuxhall that day was just 15 years old. The Reds had signed him because of a player shortage caused by World War II. He remains to this day the youngest person to play in a Major League Baseball game. He did go back to the majors uh, eight years later in 1952 and played for 15 seasons. 15 years old, Joe Nuxhall, youngest to ever play in a Major League Baseball game. June 10th, 1946, former heavyweight champion Jack Johnson passed away in a car wreck near Franklinton, North Carolina. He was on his way to the Joe Louis-Billy Conn rematch in New York City and had just left a diner that refused to serve him. He was 68 years old. And June 10th, 2016, Steph Curry scored 38, and the Warriors beat the Cavaliers 108-97 in Cleveland, taking a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals. We all know how that one ended up, with the Cavaliers coming back and beating the the Warriors in seven games after having been down 3-1 in this series. That's it for this day in sports history, June 10th. All right, I want to start today with the uh, comments made by Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. He was on ESPN's TV show Get Up with Max Kellerman, Dominic Foxworth, and Molly Kiram, uh, or Molly Kiram Rose now. I believe she's married to Jalen Rose and changed her name to include the Rose on the end there. Uh, and I wanted to share, he was just a brief visit, just under seven minutes long. He answered four questions. I wanted to play each of those answers for you because I think each of them is in is uh, pertinent and important for uh, the Jazz fans to hear from the head coach. Uh, the first question that was posed to him came from uh, Molly Karam, and she asked about the current temperature of the relationship between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. There had been a lot of reports and chatter about the two of them being uh, perhaps on the outs or having some troubles between one another. Uh, there was one report that said the relationship was unsalvageable over the, the COVID-19 situation. Well, here's uh, head coach Quinn Snyder explaining how far they've come and where they stand currently as we look to, toward next month's return to play. Well, I think it's important, you know, just to take a step back Um as you're thinking about um, those two guys, they're both really terrific people and, and excellent players. Um, this, this was the first time that, that any two players um, on one team 
really, I think across the world, certainly in, in the U.S. and in the NBA, that were diagnosed with, with that virus. And if you could imagine, you know, the emotion, uh, the fear, uh, all the different things that, that go through, you know, their minds and, and their feelings, uh, it's, it's humbling to think about that. And, and you try to. And I, I think right now, you know, we're in good shape. Those guys are getting ready to play and they're as excited as anybody in our team and anybody in the league. I think what happened here, if I could take a guess uh, or a guesstimate, I should say, uh, there was probably some underlying communication failures between Rudy and Donovan, perhaps some things that had bothered one or the other or both about the other guy that they had just, you know, rolled their eyes and said, whatever, it's not worth it and just let it go rather than talk it out and communicate those problems. Then when something like COVID hits and it hits you first and you are the focal point and uh, you are the reason that the, the thing is shutting down, then some of that boils over and you, you get in a, a tiff and you, and you don't talk and you, and you say things that you don't mean. And it's actually everything on the surface is not the real reason as to why you've got a problem. It's actually below the surface. But those things have been shoved so far below the surface that they don't get brought up. And uh, it means the stuff on the top boils over eventually. Now, I totally believe the reports and and the comments uh, made specifically by Quinn Snyder there that they're good to go, that they're ready to play, they're ready to compete, and they've ironed things out and smoothed it over. I don't know that it means that they'll never have another problem, but hopefully what it means, and I think we could all take a a lesson to, to our own lives from this situation, hopefully what it means is that they won't let it get to the point in the future where they're not talking. If they've got a problem or a question or a concern or a disagreement, they can hopefully now immediately open up and address that right in the present moment when that takes place rather than uh, suppressing it and letting it get to the point where so much gets suppressed that then when a big stressful thing happens, it all blows up and boils over. Uh, I'll bet most of us in our personal lives have experienced that very that very thing, uh, that very psyche during this pandemic, before this pandemic, and we will after this pandemic. It's a matter of learning how to better communicate with each other day after day. And it's, you know, Rudy Gobert said uh, that it's akin to being married. You're not always going to get along, but you got to find a way to communicate and, get, and, and, and uh, get through it and grow and improve each other and yourselves uh, along the journey. Each human being is designed uniquely. You may take something that is said in a different way than it was intended to mean, or perhaps someone says something to you and you don't care because of how you're programmed. You have to communicate. You have to be willing to both hear and be heard. Not just be heard. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm waxing poetic here. Let's get to the next answer. The next question that Quinn Snyder uh, fielded came from Dominic Foxworth. He said, or rather it was from Max Kellerman, and he, he, he suggested that uh, you need an alpha playmaker in order to win an NBA champion. So he asked Quinn Snyder if he thinks that that's true, that you need that alpha playmaker, and whether or not Donovan Mitchell is that at this point in his career. Well, well, first, I, I do think it's true, um, particularly as you, as you get into the playoffs. Uh, it may not 
have to be one player all the time. You know, I think we have a very balanced team. Um, Mike Conley's capable of getting his shot. So is Jordan Clarkson. And obviously, so is Donovan. I, I think sometimes people forget. You, you mentioned it, that Donovan's young. You know, Donovan's rookie year, he came into a situation where our team um, was lacking that. And he's been able to fill that for us. As you said, he's someone that's getting better all the time. He's been in constant touch with our staff. Um, figuring out what he needs to be working on. And he, he's had those moments. You know, he's had games. He's had big quarters in the playoffs. He's had big games in the playoffs. And when you have a young player and all of a sudden you're seeing different schemes, um, there's a learning process that takes place. But, you know, Donovan's done that. And I have no doubt in my mind that, that he's not only capable, but, you know, that's something that we'll see from him in the playoffs. Interesting that uh, Quinn Snyder believes you do need that alpha player in order to win the whole thing. Uh, and, and no, Donovan's not there yet, but Donovan's got a long time ahead of him still to come. And to get to where he is already in just this being his third season in, in the league, boy, it is, it is incredibly impressive and exciting for the future of the Utah Jazz and they obviously this year, in my opinion, they need that help of Boyan Bogdanovich. But as Quinn Snyder mentioned, Mike Conley has that capability. We'll see if he can come around to that next month in the playoffs uh, down there in Orlando. All right, third question. Uh, Quinn Snyder was recently named to the National Basketball Coaches Association Committee that is focused on combating racial injustice in the world. He was asked to describe uh, why he decided to uh, sign up or, or accept that role as a leader on that thing and uh, what the goals are of that committee right now? Well, first of all, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm a follower. I haven't taken the lead as much as I have been learning and trying to commit and provide, you know, support and, and understanding from, from my vantage point. Um, you know, the first step is I think the commitment that, you know, the guys on that committee and in particular Lloyd Pierce, who, you know, was the catalyst behind the formation of the committee. But not just Lloyd, not just the guys that, that are on that committee, but all the coaches in the NBA. There's, you know, been a passion and a commitment from all 30 coaches in, you know, close to 30, 28 markets, I guess, um, for doing something that's significant. And anytime you, you commit to, to trying to do something that, you know, has significance and is something that can truly impact change, you know, we don't want to rush into any, you know, specific agenda right now. I think there's a lot of communication. There's been multiple meetings. And the important thing is, you know, that that's being, you know, there, there's learning that's taking place, particularly on my part. There's a lot of listening. And I'm confident that as the focus continues to, to be more specific, that we'll find some some things where we can really make an impact. I love what Quinn said about I'm not leading, I'm following and that's important. Any committee that you have, you got to have leaders, you got to have followers, and I like that to rotate. I like on one topic, if you're a str- if that's a strength for you, you lead. If it's one that you, as someone is stronger on than you, you follow, and you aren't afraid to raise different voices and opinions, no matter what the focus of that committee is. Uh, and I think Quinn Snyder's perfect for that situation. Final answer uh, here from Quinn Snyder on the ESPN TV show, Get Up. He was asked if he has any concerns about the so-called bubble situation that it will be in Orlando. With the respect to the season, I, I think 
there, there's a lot of, a lot of variables, you know, the NBA, uh, has done a terrific job in conjunction with the players association, uh, to try to mitigate and try to address, uh, some of the concerns that, that obviously are, are there, not just with our players and other leagues and across the country. Um, I, I think first and foremost, the, the question of health and not just generally with COVID, uh, but more specifically to the players. And that's been something that's been discussed a lot. Um, I know the health performance staffs are aware of it, as are the coaches. So I think conditioning um, and all the things that go into a training camp that prepare you to play are really important. And then the obvious, you know, that we're going to be in one location for a significant period of time. And I, I think the mental component of that, um, team's focus, their commitment, I mean, I you know, you're familiar with the teams in the league. Um, and, and I think you'll see that. I think guys, uh, in spite of the layoff are going to be really focused and, and prepared to play. And, you know, that's going to, that's going to show itself over, you know, a regular season period. That's obviously shorter. And I think by the time the playoffs start, you'll see some teams that are really focused and ready to go. There you go. Quinn Snyder, head coach of the Utah jazz from ESPN TV's show, get up with Max Kellerman, Dominic Foxworth, and Molly Karam-Rose. An announcement from the NFL side of things today uh, about when they can be, or when they're required, I should say, to report to camp. Now, in years past, teams were allowed to report within a, you know, a week or two span. They could choose days to assign their players based on what the team's preference was within a one- to two-week uh, time span to report to camp. Well, the NFL is now proposing, and it will still need to be ratified by the Players Association, but instead of just kind of a free-for-all when they can report to camp, what they're saying is that you're going to need to uh, be, be there on a specific day, and that is the 26 teams who play the first full Sunday schedule on September 13th they will report to camp 47 days before that on July 28th. The four teams that play the following night, Monday night, the first Monday night of the, of the schedule, they, they will report 48 days before that date, which also obviously lands on July 28th. However, the Texans and Chiefs, who play in the kickoff game on Thursday, September 10th, they will report on July 25th, which comes to, you guessed it, 47 days before that kickoff game. Other changes include when players can wear full pads and when they'll have to be in so-called shells during training camp, but those things are kind of still up in the air as the NFL PA has to pass off on it. But getting some more details uh, as the dates creep closer about the uh, the NFL uh, coming up uh, here in July is when training camp will happen. They'll all report within that two-day span. Uh, between the between, or I guess it's a three-day span, the 25th through the 28th, depending on when you first play. Again, the Texans and Chiefs on the 25th, the 26 teams that play Sunday, September 13th on the 28th, and the four teams that play the following day on Monday night, also reporting July 28th. If you don't know what the Players Coalition is, uh, I don't blame you because I didn't know either. Uh, I saw a headline about the Players Coalition getting signatures to uh, ask Congress to do away with uh, qualified immunity, and I didn't know what that was either. I'm learning a lot these days when it comes to social uh, awareness and, and things that 
I always kind of thought were there, but I didn't know the name of them or exactly how they worked or whether or not they for sure were in place. But the Players Coalition, let's start there. The Players Coalition uh, it consists mostly of former and current NFL players. Uh, it was started in 2017 by Anquan Bolden and Ma- Malcolm Jenkins, and they've done so much. I went to their website and read a bunch of what they, a bunch of things they've worked on and accomplished. And I would totally, totally recommend you take a moment, go to playerscoalition.org, and look at some of the cool things that they've gotten involved with. It's a charitable foundation uh, that works to reform social uh, norms that should not be anymore. They've done things like. Uh, giving better educational opportunities to prisoners so that they come back into society as productive members with actual skills to help them earn money and have a family and a home and keep a job and be safe and healthy. Things that often are missing from the penal system in our country. They've done things for juvenile offenders who were being are, are treated like adults when they were just young kids. And they do need to pay a debt to society, but really they need to learn and they need to be rehabbed and reformed, not just put away. Uh, And and they've done things for people of, uh, you know, underprivileged situations and and given them actual shots at good lives. Uh, And it's just a really cool organization, the Players Coalition. Well, they have gathered over 1,400 signatures consisting of uh, players and personnel, both current and past, on NFL, NBA, and MLB teams. And that the signatures are on the bottom of a letter that they're sending to Congress and to uh, Attorney General uh, William Barr to ask for qualified immunity to be uh, done away with, to get rid of it. Well, what qualified immunity is, is really complicated. There's, you know, 19 different bullet points or topics or, or spinoffs from what qualified immunity means. But what they are specifically focusing on right now uh, is, is qualified immunity provides an opportunity for public officials or police officers. They would fall into that as well to more or less say, hey, look, you have entrusted us as a public in this position of power to make calls based on our discretionary judgments. And that's not always going to be a perfect decision when it comes to discretionary. Therefore, if something happens and you sue a public official or a police officer, they can claim qualified immunity and say, perhaps not the best decision, but given the circumstances I was in, I used my power that was entrusted to me under a, from the public and under my and with my discretion, made a judgment, and you can't really hold that against me. And that has been a real big problem, obviously, when it comes to police brutality and uh, holding police accountable for things that they have done to members of the public, whether they uh, were criminals or wrongfully accused, they've gotten uh, away with it because of qualified immunity. And now, look, I think that there is obviously situations. I think it's completely situational, I think would be the best way to say it. They have to, you have to look at each and every individual situation as its own uh, happenstance. You can't, you can't use precedent because, uh, you know, something happened in 1974. Therefore, in 1996, it's the same outcome. I hate that. 
Every situation has to be viewed individually and uniquely. I do think that qualified immunity applies in some cases. But there's too much evidence, and the Players Coalition is right to bring this up and point to this out and make a, make a big deal of it. There's too much evidence to say that all situations that used qualified immunity to, to uh, drop charges or lessen charges against uh, police, police brutality, there's too much evidence to suggest that that was all okay. And in fact, uh, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, uh, Supreme Court Justice, she called it a shoot-first-think-later kind of uh, immunity. What this provides is for the police to say, well, I, I didn't know exactly the situation. I had to protect myself and the public, so I shot. Turns out later the kid only had a plastic sword. And that's, a, that's by the way, an exact situation that happened in Utah County a few years ago. A kid named Darian Hunt, uh, African-American uh, cosplayer who was had a plastic sword on him and was shot at least five times uh, by police. And they you know, got away with it because of qualified immunity. Players Coalition, 1,400 plus signatures sent to Congress and the Attorney General uh, asking for that to be done away with. Members uh, who are on that, people who have signed that, include the likes of Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, Miles Garrett, Alex Bregman, CeCe Sabathia, Steve Kerr, and Greg Popovich. That'll be one to follow and to see what happens. If we don't get rid of qualified immunity because I do think it could apply in some situations, there definitely needs to be reform and, and, and give an opportunity more for people to hold our public officials accountable for the things that we're held accountable for as well. That brings us to Acoustic Wednesday here. Uh, this is where I kind of dip into my love of music, and I love acoustic music. And the, one of my favorite groups... Uh, not just in acoustic form, but uh, in any across any genre, is a band called Boyce Avenue. It's three brothers from Florida, uh, and, and they do a lot of covers. They they take songs that I normally would not like, but their versions of them are incredible. Uh, the uh, brothers are Alejandro Manzano, Fabian Manzano, and Daniel Manzano, and uh, just a three-person band. There, three brothers. You've got the lead guitar, sometimes the bass guitar, and sometimes some percussion. Alejandro Manzano uh, is who we're going to focus on today. And I wanted to play this selection by uh, Aerosmith, the song Dream On. This is uh, Alejandro Manzano singing and playing the guitar, his acoustic version of the song Dream On. And I want to talk about some of the lyrics. So pay, pay close attention to some of the lyrics in this uh, classic, classic rock hit from Aerosmith, but here is Alejandro Manzano of Boyce Avenue singing Aerosmith's Dream On. Every time I look in the mirror 
these lines on my face getting clearer And the past is gone It went by light of still dawn Isn't that the way Everybody's got their dues in life to pay What a talent. I love Boyce Avenue. Some of the lyrics, the reason I wanted to play that song today was I, I've been thinking a lot, like I'm sure a lot of you have lately, about very existential thoughts uh, about, and I've shared it here on the podcast before, how I feel like the year 2020 is going to be known in my life as a big year of change. 
uh, a turning point on the as the on the calendars in our lives. I think we're going to point back to 2020 as a watershed moment, and how we react to the things going on in 2020 will be uh, so important for the rest of our histories, uh, and will be looked. The, the books will look to this year. Our personal lives will look to this year. And I think there's some lyrics in that song, Dream On, that I had never really paid all that much attention to, I guess I could say. Uh, but it, they hit me uh, as I was looking for something to share with you today. Uh, the, the, for, the, the part that says we all have dues to pay in life, and that's absolutely true. It's not always going to be just smooth sailing. We've all got to put our dues in before we get uh, our reward. You've got to learn how to, you've got to lo- you've got to learn to lose before you can learn to win, uh, and I think that applies not just in sports, but in life in general. That you you don't just always win. The way that uh, they invented electricity or the light bulb or whatever wasn't just one day they woke up and boom had it ready to go. No, they kept failing at creating electricity until they didn't. They lost so that they could learn how to eventually win. That's what we're, we got to go through in this year as well. You, you learn from both fools and sages. Turn on a 24-hour news network right now. You will have opportunity, ample opportunity, to learn both from fools and from sages. And that is, of course, uh, you know, up to your interpretation. Who's the fool and who's the sage? Uh, then the, the, the chorus, sing with me, sing for the years, the laughter, and the tears. Don't be afraid to dream on. This life involves laughter and tears. There's a lot of years. Don't be afraid to dream because before you know it, the good Lord might take you away. Anyway, just a different way. I've never looked at that song before. And uh, there you go. By Boyce Avenue, Alejandro Manzano on the guitar and vocals there. Aerosmith's Dream On, the selection for this Acoustic Wednesday. All right, before we get out of here and uh, get you ready for a throwaway Thursday tomorrow, wanted to share this bit of audio from Dana White, UFC president. He was on, again, the, the, the show Get Up on ESPN, providing us with a lot of content here today on, on uh, the EP podcast. He, we talked about Dana White and his financial situation yesterday and how he's got a few big-name fighters who are threatening and pretty much staging a lockout over contract issues, and it's they say it's not just for their own contracts, but the contracts and the financial treatment and protections of all the fighters in UFC. Well, Dana White was challenged about that topic by Dominic Foxworth on Get Up Today, and I thought Dana White revealed a lot about himself in these comments. Does anybody feel like they make too much money? Nobody does. These guys just suck. Listen, if we were talking about a thing where... You know, these guys had old contracts from three years ago, and it's like, come on, that was three years ago that I did this deal. They signed these less than a year ago. This was months ago. We're in, oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but we're in a pandemic right now, and all their sports are going. Oh, by the way, every other sport out there is arguing over money right now. I haven't laid off one employee. I haven't asked any of my fighters to take less money, and you don't hear me out here crying about, no, I don't get any gates. I don't have this. I don't have – you don't hear me crying about anything. I'm running my business. I'm paying everybody. And right now, if you think it's easy to be a business owner right now, here and today, you are right out of your mind, okay? Because there's never been a harder time to do business than right now. Guess what? I'm pulling it off. 
Oh, you can't say you're not crying anymore. You just said it's a hard time for business owners. It's important to understand that there's different leverage. That's not me crying. I was just explaining to you. The point, the point I'm making is... All right. I'm, uh, the leverage is different. So like I saying that they just signed contracts doesn't speak to the leverage that they have in negotiation. Just because they signed contracts doesn't necessarily mean that the contracts are fair. I'm not informed enough to know whether contracts are fair or not. But I understand that when there's a track record of a number of athletes over a, a period of time having an issue with someone or a, a company, then that seems like a, a, a group that needs union, unionization in order to have the leverage to get the things that they want. I know Molly has a question for you, but I, that wasn't a question. I was just kind of making a oh, point. Oh, no, no. I, I, I want you again. Welcome oh, to the fight wait. business, my friend. And uh, 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 so right now we're in a pandemic and all this stuff is going on. Do you see me trying to, I, we just signed a contract eight months ago. You see me saying, oh, no, no, this is going on and that's going on. I have to pay you less money. Let's talk. No, I'm paying right. them exactly the same amount of money, no matter what's going on in the history of this company. That, I've never asked the fighter to go backwards ever. I mean, that you could you could argue that that suggests that maybe they weren't making enough if their pay is not an issue. But I'm not saying that you're having trouble that that we should applaud you. We should certainly applaud you for keeping your business running and not letting any people down. I certainly wasn't looking to fight you like Dan Lebetard. I'm not looking to fight you at all. I'm just bringing up the idea that there's a there's another perspective that uh, that makes perfect sense to me. Given my background, I understand how difficult it is to, to run a business right now. So we applaud you for all that. We applaud you for not taking their money down. But just because you're not doing anything bad doesn't mean that the situation is fair for them. And again, I, I'm not trying to be uh, confrontational because I don't know the ins and outs of this business, but I do know the ins and outs of, of sports labor. And I know that when you have a bunch of angry, upset athletes, there's normally a reason why they should be angry and upset. So I was just speaking to that. Well, uh, again, I have 630 fighters under contract, and we're talking about two. <laughs> right now. That Dominic Foxworth, man, he is a good debater. He got him good a couple times there. Dana White made some good points. It's to be applauded that he hasn't fired anyone or laid anyone off during this pandemic. And he has kept his sport open and active and going during this pandemic. It hasn't been without ruffling feathers. It hasn't been done exactly the right way, but it's been done. And that's to be applauded. But for him to say, you won't hear me cry, and then cry, just like Dominic Foxworth pointed out, that's exactly the hypocrisy that these fighters are wanting to end. To, and while he says it's just two, yeah, it's two because they're the two biggest voices, but they claim they're standing up for the other 600-plus that he mentioned there. Uh, and no, they shouldn't all make exactly the same money. Uh, it's a business. I understand that. But if, you're, if, the, if you've got fighters who are making you millions and they're only making this part-time wage doing these fights for you and they have to have another full-time job, then there's something wrong there. And that's got to be fixed. But Dana White, I thought, he revealed a lot about himself and his demeanor in that reaction on that show uh, this morning. That's going to do it for the EP podcast today, June 10th, Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. We'll come back tomorrow on the 11th for a throwaway Thursday. And I'm excited to have you back then. And as always, I'm Austin Horton. Until then, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> the only thing I've learned from watching the Learning Channel is there's crazy people everywhere. And that's accurate. I don't care what part of town you live in, there are crazy people close by you. And if you ever want to meet them, just see what they're like. It's super easy. Have a garage sale. That's how you do it.
Put it on Craigslist and in the paper that you're having a garage sale. And a freak show will form on your lawn two hours before the garage sale is even scheduled to begin. I'm looking through the blinds. I was like, we said 10, right? Well, they're here. Look like the walking dead out there. Brains. No, that says bargains. I don't know if you've had a garage sale and you know what I'm talking about, but it makes me hate people. I'm not gonna lie to you, it really bothers me. I don't know why I do it all the, every year, but... Because those people I just talked about, they're a real thing. There's a term for them in the garage sale community. They're called early birds. And apparently I'm a jerk, because I didn't put it in the ad. They weren't supposed to be there. This lady's just standing out there. I was like, can I help you, ma'am? She's like, well, I'm here for the garage sale. I'm like, well, you're about two hours early. Well, it didn't say no early birds. <laughs> this is how bad it got. This is not a joke. Last time we had a garage sale, press the button to open the door. There is a woman crouched down who raised up with the garage door. Like she's in a 90s boy band video, just kind of stepping in. I was like, get out of here. No, this is not Black Friday. There is nothing in here worth the effort you are exerting right now. I get so mad. Same characters, just different faces. I'll tell you who the worst one is. Guy who just watched three episodes of American Pickers and now thinks he's Indiana Jones. This guy, every time, just walks right up. Hey man, you got any antiques? No, sir, I'm 35. I don't know why you thought this was the place to begin a treasure hunt. But here's the problem. No matter how annoyed you get, you gotta be nice to him. You can't say whatever you want. It's hard for me to do. Do you understand? I'm like, no, sir, there's no antiques, but uh, there's some great deals. This toaster, check this out. We got married last year. We don't need two toasters. So we're selling this one and it's a dollar and they'll talk you down. Doesn't matter how good your pricing is. If they've seen an episode of Pawn Stars, it's negotiating time. Now he's sweating over my toaster for half an hour. Oh, buddy, I don't know. I mean, I need a toaster and that's a, what's that? It's a sunbeam. I mean, it's all right. You know, it ain't like a KitchenAid or a Hamilton Beach. You know, something I might get excited about. I'm trying to find one of them Oster toasters. Anybody around here selling one of them? It's a stainless steel, double wide chamber. That thing will burn a frozen bagel in 12 seconds. That thing's bad. This is, I mean, what am I gonna do with this? Make toast? <laughs> Well, the springs are still good. What'd you say, a dollar? No, oh, man. No, I'd like to do business with you, but I mean, we're just so far apart right now. I don't know. I mean, I could probably, what's today? Wednesday? It's gonna be tough. But. I mean, I could. I could probably go 25 cents. 25 cents? I'll beat it over your face for free. How about that, buddy? Because let me tell you something. Watching you leave with a broken nose will be worth way more than a dollar at this point. It's a dollar, sir. It's a toaster that still works for a dollar. No, screw this guy, honey. I got... I got thrown out of my own garage sale. 